listening to Life's Essentials with Prem Rawat. You know, life sometimes asks you big questions and you deserve the answers. You'll enjoy finding them on this weekly podcast from Timeless Today. Each week, you're invited to travel with him around the globe as he helps people get in touch with what's really essential in their lives. Life's Essentials with Prem Rawat is brought to you by Uda's Choice, made with your health in mind. Health is your birthright and natural state. For more information on their award-winning supplements, please visit udoschoice.com. And now, here's this week's episode of Life's Essentials with Prem Rawat. Okay, so we're ready. With a life dedicated of sharing a global message of peace, Milano welcomes Mr. Prem Rawat. Welcome back to Italy, Mr. Rawat. Nice Thank to you. have you here. What a warm be... and wonderful welcome. Yeah, it's great to be in Milano after so many years. You were just in Rome for the official presentation of the book. Yes. I wanted to ask, you've been spending so many years of your life traveling the globe, getting to know so many people and teaching about how to get in peace with the world from an inner peace of our own. But how do you find us? Are we evolving towards a more conscious lifestyle or are we way too busy with what's going on around us and are we distracted? Distracted, absolutely. Um, <laughs> but I think uh, mankind has been distracted since a really, really long time. Um, but there is an interest and I think that interest also has been there since a really, really long time of wanting peace. Uh, there is, I think, always this question of what am I about? Who am I? What am I doing here? And uh, that, that can only be answered not in a statement or, 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 or verbally, but it has to be answered in a feeling. So if somebody comes along and says, I think I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty, I'm thirsty. Really, all you can do is offer a glass of water. You cannot try to give a lecture of why that person is thirsty or why that person isn't thirsty or whatever. Just give a glass of water. And when they drink that water, that thirst is quenched. And then there is that simple, ah. And to me, that ah is worth another book. (laughs) (laughs) I understand. But is it so that some people are born with a more bright, a bigger conscious of how we are, or they are more in touch with their inner self? Like, I'm sure you were born like that, knowing yourself already much better than other people. But do we all have that capacity to to see clearly and get to know our inner self? Well, there was a monkey, and that monkey gave birth to two other monkeys. 
and one line of those monkeys ended up being chimpanzees and the other one us. <laughs> and it wasn't that long ago that it wasn't just Homo sapiens that were roaming the earth, there was Homo erectus, they have found Homo dominans uh, from Russia, and so on and so forth. So do we have the possibility, does everyone have the possibility of experiencing peace? And the answer to that is of course. Because, again, it, it depends on the definitions that people have what peace is. Yeah. Because some people think it is a higher enlightened state of being where you float one foot off the ground, you know what's going to happen ten minutes before it does. <laughs> you can look at a person, you know, it's the Superman things, you can see what the person is thinking, you can see what's in their pocket, you can see what it's all about. That's fantasy. Once you cut that fantasy out of it, then peace is a very human thing. It's a state of being in which you are one with yourself. You're not trying to be one with the world. One with the iPhone, one with the smartphone, one with the iPad, but trying to be one with you. Not the world, not the social media, not your friends, not your chair, not your car, not your dog, not your cat, not your wife, not your associates. You. You. You as a human being. But that could be a very scary experience, actually. Only if you are in a state of mind where every time you see yourself in the mirror, you jump. Sometimes. <laughs> because you're so scared of, of, of some kind of aberration in the room that you actually, so you've worked yourself up to that, you know. And that's not normal. You've worked yourself in a frenzy where it's like a ghost, a ghost, a ghost, a ghost, a ghost. There's a ghost in this room for sure that you come across the mirror and you jump 10 foot in the air because you saw your own reflection. And to me, that's what we do. We work ourselves in a, in a frenzy of ideas. And what I really do is just say, okay, look, your ideas, you can put them aside for a little while and look at reality. And that reality is actually very sweet. The reality is actually very beautiful. The greatest asset you have is not your bank account. It's not your house. It's not your car. It's not your dog. It's not your bicycle, motorcycle, whatever. It's actually life. Because for this, you will trade anything that you have for even one more minute. Yeah. Of course, you can't do it. The reality is reality, and it's beautiful. And that's what I go and try to 
bring that into people's lives because that's what's missing. We just gonna we have to slow down to realize that I suppose. Only if you think you're speeding up. <laughs> But I think we all are. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, we, if you're pointless to slow down, if you're actually yeah, already so going at a crawl, you know, crawling at a turtle pace. Society is though making us speed up. It's a very hectic life we're leading all of us. You know, it's, it's, it, this is all very, very interesting because I have been thinking about this uh, quite a bit. Um, and then I see that for a long time I didn't really understand all these people uh, literally feet away from getting hit by a car because they weren't even paying attention to the pedestrian light and walked out and their heads are down. They're not looking at anything. The, uh, statistically, the amount of people ending up in emergency rooms with heads banging into telephone posts and light posts and, and, and tripping and falling and all this has gone skyrocketing. I finally understood this is an addiction. It is. This is not just distraction, this is an addiction. We have become addicted. Just like alcohol or anything else, we have actually become addicted. And when you really realize the difference between old culture, old civilizations and us right now, we are actually dealing with the frontier in which we don't know what the outcome will be. In the old days, they figured that out. They had time. They figured it out, you know. Uh, even as fascinating as, as it is, in a lot of the castles, they used to have a big door and a little door. And the little door, was usually for people to go through. But they had to bend their head down. To go. And this was very popular in India. So for the elephants, they had the big gates, and they had to open those up. And for the king, the big gates would be open. For everybody else, there was a little one. And if an enemy was coming, they figured out, you know, the only way they can come in is to have their head down, where they can. We still have those doors in Milan, actually. <laughs> yeah, and yes. this is, you know, this is how it used to be. Uh, the courtesy of women first. <laughs> that, that actually wasn't a courtesy. That was like, if somebody is waiting, you, you go first. They figured these things out, you know. Nasty, but they figured it out. Uh, We are in the middle of this technological revolution and we don't know what the outcome is. We actually don't know what the outcome is. Is this really going to work? Does this really work? Or literally religions and taboos have been created where you must respond to your email, you must respond to your message. And we just find ourselves in the middle of this, trying to cope with it. So what will be the outcome? 
in five years would technology have sufficiently changed with where even this would become redundant? It is entirely possible. But then would we be addicted to the other technology? Because if we haven't found ourselves, we're going to be addicted to something. My thing is, if you're going to be addicted to something, be addicted to the self. Have that addiction. See what that's like. To be addicted to life, to be addicted to this gift of breath that comes in and out of you. That's an incredible addiction. And I'm not the only one who's talking about this. By the way, Kabir talked about the same thing, that I am drunk with the joy of this life. I'm inebriated in this joy of life. Have we tried this yet in our society? Unless we do, we don't know. And we have tried everything else, but what we haven't tried is to give peace a chance. But that's, peace is just one word of that same thing, of enjoying life, of truly being in touch with life, truly being in touch with who you are. You talk a lot about that. It's about choice, no? That uh, our choices, the, what, the people we are today is because of our choices of yesterday and the people that we'll be tomorrow are about the choices that we make today. It's not about destiny. You don't talk about karma. You talk about choices. You talk about making your willpower and to make us shine in the choices that we're making today. But some people, it seems, just live in such desperate conditions, in some, such unfair conditions, that it seems impossible or difficult for them to make the right choices of today to change their way of living for tomorrow. So what about those people? Well, of course, there's amazing amount of problems in this world. There's poverty. And poverty, you know, when you feel hunger, it can lead to some incredible amount of desperation, mm. where killing for it becomes, at that moment, seems a plausible thing to do. Mm. But all of these problems that are in the world, we really have to understand one simple element about them. They're man-made. They're in our head. We have created them. We have created our own problems from which we seek the solutions. There was a documentary about earthquakes I was watching. And these eminent scientists were talking about the earthquake. And one of them just got up and said, earthquakes don't kill people. Houses do. And I'm like, what? I thought it was earthquakes that killed people. Earthquakes don't kill people, houses do. Because somebody went in there, made a house, not exactly to the specification that could withstand the earthquake. If there is anybody rich and if there is anybody poor in this world, it is not because of karma. Don't blame karma for it. It's our doing. We have done it. And is that bad news or is that good news? Well, 
Not that I'm trying to be overly optimistic, but I think it's really good news. Because if it is human created, then humans can change it. Yeah. If it's God created, we got a slight amount of problem. I mean, who's gonna, who's gonna send the email? Who's gonna send the phone call? Who's gonna, you know, fly up there, find them and all that stuff. But if it's human based, it's human created, it can be changed. That's the good news. Some of it, some of the answers we find in your book. Yes. Quando il deserto fiorisce, when the desert blooms. I read it, I read it with my husband and he read it out loud and we stopped after each chapter, if it was a short or longer story, and we discussed the deeper meaning of those words. And it was such a beautiful experience for both of us and I took those words with me and I cherished them every day in my normal life and I tried to live with that knowledge, like seeds being planted to grow. But then just our regular life takes over and the, you know, every day we start getting less, unconscious, less conscious about what we're doing. What can we do to make those seeds grow into something beautiful to have with us forever? Well, there is a very good um, analogy uh, in an Indian couplet which is practice it. Practice. Practice it. And the analogy here is that a rope, which is relatively soft, when that rope keeps going back and forth, even on a rock, which is relatively hard, guess what? That rope will wear a groove in the rock. That's what practice is. So if we can practice, if we can just Try, give it a try, give it a try, you know? And I have to tell you, <laughs> I, because look, life is life and we all are on the same boat. You know, it's like somebody may be sitting in the front, somebody may be in the back, but it's the same boat. So I've been working on my new book and uh, one of the things that but the final finish, the polish on it, it's just to, I just wanted to make sure that all the things are in the proper place where they're supposed to be. So I've been going through that. And all of a sudden I realized that that book was changing me. Oh. And all of a sudden it was like, wait a minute. I don't have to get upset if I don't want to. If I want to, go ahead, you know, it's fine. But I have choices. And I have to start, it's almost like a third hand, which I have never used. You know, I've always felt it's the circumstances that drive these things. But all of a sudden it's like, no, no, I have a choice in this matter. Whatever the matter is, I have a choice in this matter. And if it is somebody who has done a really stupid thing, I still have a choice in the matter. And the choice I have is how I react to it. And how I react to it is not for the benefit of other people, but for my benefit. Because I realize when I get angry, I fry. Whether they fry or not, because they might go, ha, ha, ha. He's fried again. But I fry. I don't want to fry. No. So how do I handle this situation? And 
that book is very different than this. Okay. And it's just, to me, we always have a choice. Can we practice that choice? It's always going to start from very small, very little bit, and it's going to seem more times a failure. Now, when I'm saying this, I'm sure there are people sitting there is like, yeah, well, nah, nah, nah. I don't want to fail, I don't, I don't. But you know, every one of you sitting in this room went through this. When you started to learn how to walk, remember? Now, you don't remember you learning how to walk, but you, I'm sure, can relate to seeing babies having learned. And when they begin, they fail more times than they succeed. They get up, they're like, you know, and then boom. And then they look at their mommy or daddy, should I cry? <laughs> then they get up again. And they take that step, one step, one step, and then boom. More failure than success. And now, more success than failure. How did this happen? Practice. Practice. <laughs> You talk, you mentioned babies, you mentioned anger. I think reading your book together with our children is very nice because there are some very beautiful stories and you can involve them and there's a simple message that you could read on different levels. But how can we lead our children into the right path when they want to act out and be angry and they want to be frustrated and they want to, you know, punch their friend or do something bad? How can we make them do better right from the start? Uh, you know, a lot of mothers and a lot of fathers take one thing for granted. They don't know anything. They don't know how to raise a child. And so they actually become a little bit afraid of their child. And, and, and I have to give you this analogy. This, this is not a story, this really happened. This, this is great. So I have two grandsons, and one um, is nine, and one is like two. So the two, the two-year-old, has got it figured out. All he has to do <laughs> is sit there and start quivering his lip <laughs> and look down and look really sad and be at the verge of crying and everybody throws in the towels like, oh, 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 oh whatever you want, whatever you want. I do that with my husband too, though. <laughs> so it works, so. So one day he is with his cousin, elder cousin, and he's, uh, they're playing. And he wants something. And so he looks at the nine-year-old and he starts that. And the nine-year-old looks at him and goes, 
that won't work with me. <laughs> this is great. I mean, this is just classic. So he stopped. He figured out, it's not going to work. He stopped. Yeah. So one day I was playing with him and he wanted something and I wasn't going to give it to him. It was dangerous. So he started the whole thing. And I looked at him and I said, that won't work with me. And he stopped. <laughs> so, could it be that the nine-year-old is more qualified than we are as, as, as you know, 40, 50, 60-year-old adults to take care of children? Why are, why are parents unsure about their own children? They want to read a book, How to Raise Your Child. Excuse me. What happened? How many monkeys go around reading those books? <laughs> How many elephants go around reading that book? How many turtles go around reading that book? How can we be so unsure? What have we lost touch with? What do children need? Love. First thing, exactly. First thing they need is love. Do you know as a parent how to give that love? Because it's been translated, that love has translated to toys, iPad, iPhone, candy, cakes. You should never have to give a child a toy to bring smile to their face. Never. Your presence alone should bring that smile. Your company should be the gift. Not on some day in December. You know, where you're waiting for somebody to come down the chimney and you leave them cookies and milk and they come down the chimney and they bring, and if you've been a good boy or a girl, they will bring you a present. When you know exactly who went to the market and bought the present. <laughs> and you know exactly who gift wrapped it. And you know exactly who's giving them this stuff. If a child does not feel that the company of their parents is the biggest and most beautiful, greatest gift that they will ever have. We have set the society on a path of self-destruction. And the transference of knowledge, like it should, will never occur. Wisdom, knowledge will be passed around, but not wisdom. And it is Knowledge will keep evolving. How to use a knife, maybe there'll be an automated knife. A knife, how to use knife is knowledge. A knife can cut you too is wisdom. That's the difference. And it is the wisdom that needs to go on. One generation, that is the gift of one generation 
to the next generation, to the next generation, is not necessarily knowledge, but it is wisdom. And we're missing that. I'm going to have one last question with this conversation. And uh, I just wanted to have an advice. How can we all wake up in the morning and make the best out of that day? What do we do? What do we think? How do we put that wisdom in practice? Well, your body is ready to go. It's seen the light, the sunshine. The chemicals in your body have started to wake you up. But where are you at? How do you judge your day? Probably with all the things I have to do. Exactly. Not because of the breath. Not because of life. Not because of who you are. But oh my God, I've got to do this. Oh my God, I've got to do this. Oh my God, I have to do this. Oh my God, I have to do this. It's only a matter of priority. A lot of people will say, oh, but this is impractical. This is impractical. I have to be responsible. I have to do all these things. I have to take care of all these things. Otherwise, how am I going to pay my bills? Excuse me. When you know you have to drive, and at the same time, you are feeling really, really hungry. What do you do? Sacrifice one for the other? No, I see a lot of people going. <laughs> they're eating. Yeah. Or if you're thirsty, they're drinking and they're driving. Maybe not such a good idea, but, but it is when you talk about responsibility, one is learned responsibility and the other one is innate responsibility. So far you have your job, you will have a certain set of responsibilities. But there is a whole another set of responsibilities that come to you just because you are alive. And you will have these responsibilities even after you retire. So no more job but you will still have these responsibilities and these responsibilities are to enjoy every moment, this opportunity that you have of being alive. A lot of people is like, well, what are you talking about? How do you enjoy being alive? How? Simple question, right? And a lot of people are going, hmm. Yes, before you can leave the hall tonight, you must answer this question and submit your sheet. It'll be instantly graded, and if you don't pass, you're not leaving. <laughs> Fortunately, it's not like that. But remember one thing. One day you have to go. You have to. Whether that's good, bad, right, wrong, I'm not here to judge that. One day you have to go. But till that day, You've got life. It's on your side. It is not dictating to you what to do with it. But you can decide. 
You can choose. Choose wisely. And the wisdom is, begin with knowing yourself. Know yourself. If you don't know yourself, you don't know what you've got. If you don't know what you've got, how can you be excited when you wake up in the morning and what the day promises you? Then of course you're going to judge it by the weight of your responsibilities. So the only way that I know of where you can be excited about the day today is when you're excited about being alive every day. Thankful when you go to sleep at night. That's not what people do. They think about everything else. I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this, I have to do this. But be thankful that you have the opportunity to sleep and be thankful that you had the opportunity to get up. And that today is a special gift, not just on your birthday. See, again, one special day, that's all you get. When every day is special, why, why only one day in a year, which is your birthday? Why? You see, it's just, a, it's just the way we've been trained to think. We've been trained, we've been told that, oh, today is a special day, it's your birthday today. What do you want? You won't get it, but what do you want? <laughs> but the gift of breath? How precious is the gift of breath? Mr. Be Bezos owns Amazon, but he can't buy breath, and you can't buy breath on Amazon. <laughs> Can you? Because if breath could be sold, believe me, <laughs> nobody would be poor in this world. All the poor people would sell, you know, two minutes, three minutes worth, and they would be receiving millions and millions of dollars. But no. And so the most expensive thing that even Apple can't buy is given to you freely. But do you think that that's a gift or not? So, you have been trained well in the wrong things. Now it's time to start training yourself in the right things, that you have a choice, that you have a life. Yes, you need to take care of your family. Yes, you need to have a job. People, people are devastated when they're fired. Is that right or wrong? What advice would you give to a person who just got fired? It's okay. <laughs> Pick up and go on. Oh, I'm too old. And wouldn't you say that's, there's no such thing like that? It's never too late to try. 
Well, take some of that great wisdom of yours and use it on yourself. Take care of what you have to take care of, but also take care of accepting this gift that you have. That's the message. <laughs> and that's how it is, you know. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for your time. We're ending this uh, conversation, wonderful conversation. I could have made another million questions. I'm so curious. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thanks for listening to today's podcast, courtesy of the Timeless Today app. If you want to learn more about what Prem Rao talks about, he offers a practical online course called Peak to help you understand and experience personal peace. Go to premrawat.com, that's R-A-W-A-T, and click on Peak. Prem's book, Hear Yourself, How to Find Peace in a Noisy World, published by HarperCollins, is now available. For further information, go to hearyourselfbook.com. If you have any questions for Prem Raut about his new book or Life's Essentials podcast, please email us at lifeessentials with lifeessentialswithpremraut at gmail.com.